foundational tools to develop a biblical worldview. Welcome to Mentoring Matters, a listener-supported program of SharonHearts.org. With the world's culture invading the church, it is vital that we establish some deeper roots in biblical truth in order to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So join us now as we let the Word of God give us foundational tools to develop and maintain a biblical worldview. Hi, this is Sharon Hoskins. And this is Janie Ratzloff. And Janie, we've been talking the past several weeks about depression, what it looks like, and the biblical solutions. So today, let's discuss how to avoid depression. And I'm going to start us in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And if you notice that it says to you in the knowledge of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. you can't have one without the other. But, you know, there's something else while we're in 2 Peter in verse 4. He goes on to say that we have had given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world. So, Sharon, how do we avoid the testings and temptations that result in depression by knowing how to appropriate the Word of God? Can we maybe look at a couple of examples of family problems? Okay. <laughs> family problems. Well, whether... we don't lack any example in the scriptures, do we? Well, no, but I tell you what. Genesis 26 and 27, we find Esau, who was always a thorn in his parents' side. He married two women that brought constant turmoil mm-hmm. into the life of Isaac and Rebekah. And we have to remember back in those days, families didn't get up and leave as soon as they finished their formal education. They dwelled together. You might have three uh-huh. or four generations living together. And it was so turbulent to Rebekah that she finally got terribly depressed, even to the point of suicide. And this was from her own son, right. who was rebellious. Right. We found out that he had just a streak of meanness in him. He delighted in hurting people. Okay. He delighted in doing one thing or saying one thing and then doing another. Doing another. All right? And as his family grew and grew, and it became a very large family, then... Well, when you marry two wives, it's kind of hard not to... <laughs> Now, we're following kind of down this family lineage here, and we find that Rachel had an inability to bear children. Now, she married Jacob. That's right. And there was a wife before her. Her sister, Leah. Yes, yes. And there was jealousy and anger and finally depression. And there was serious friction that resulted between her and Jacob. Having 
two wives, and I know that there are particular sects of religiosity that do allow that. And I'm not here to question any of that other than to say that in the Old Testament times, having multiple wives was allowed. It was allowed, but it was allowed culturally, not morally. Not morally. According to Scripture, God said one man and one woman. He, he didn't allow that. So that was a cultural thing, not a biblical thing. May I respond with... Amen. Okay. So and moving, amen. <laughs> moving on. Right. But Sharon, I would like to go back and just point out that if we allow sin to fester in our life, it's going to bring tribulation to our soul. Well, you look at Rachel and Leah. I mean, they were sisters, and there's the jealousy and the anger and the, you know, it finally ends up in depression, probably for both Rachel and Leah for different reasons. Well, and Leah had been number one wife. She held that position. And then another wife comes along and she loses it. Yeah. And that caused tremendous turmoil between all of their offspring. So it just wasn't the two ladies. It was all of the children and the offspring. That's sad. It just goes down the line. Tragic. Yes. Yes, it is. So I'd like to really talk about Moses again because he was probably the five most referred to men in the Old Testament. Uh, He was key in his walk with the Lord. But Moses got depressed. And we should say, with him being a man of God, could he not have avoided depression? Well, I mean, that's what we're talking about. How do you avoid depression? He probably could have if he would have dealt with his anger. Oh. Because, you see, his anger came because his expectations were not met the way he thought they should be. Well, Janie, we could take that back to Rachel. We could take that to Leah. We could take that to all the way back up to Rebecca. There's expectations we all have, and if they're not met, That's the natural response, isn't it? It certainly is. And then unforgiveness gets paralleled into that. Vengeance, unforgiveness, apathy. And it'll spiral down to the bottom line of depression to where you are paralyzed and cannot pull yourself out because you had an expectation that could have been dealt with immediately when you got offended Mm. because you could forgive the way God had forgiven. And God had already set the example of forgiveness down before Moses even came along. But nevertheless, let's just talk about Moses a little bit. Uh, He had been a former prince and military leader, and yet he didn't like himself. And why did he not like himself? Because he stuttered and couldn't talk plain. Right. And so even though God had allowed that handicap for whatever reason, Moses turned to deciding that he was really worthless and that he needed to find somebody else to speak for him. Yeah. And he had tried once and he had failed. And how many times, Sharon, do we fail and to say, I'm through, I've had it. Right. So he really took some prodding from God before Moses would take the job to lead the people. 
And with the fact that Moses uh, was found impossible to delegate the people he was given to lead, he came under intense stress, so much stress that it broke him, and he came to the point of suicide. What's the problem? Well, anger, stress, a poor self-image, and all of these, if they remain unresolved, can break the soul. Okay. Now, so that we don't feel like this is a one-case scenario, can we go back and just look at Elijah for a second and realize that he brought down fire from heaven? He was able to destroy 450 false prophets, mm-hmm. but a woman totally unnerved him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And what happened with him? There's three things that caused major depression in, in Elijah's life. There was fear for his life, and then there was, you ready for this one? Emotional fatigue. He had burnout in his emotions. Okay. And then there was physical exhaustion. Okay. And because these problems were not resolved, Elijah became depressed. Okay. So some of the things that can cause us to go into depression would be fear when we recognize emotional fatigue and physical exhaustion. Those are some triggers that will plummet us down into depression. Is that what I hear you saying? That's exactly what you hear me saying. And the positive note to all of this is that because of their emotional fatigue, failure, God did not take their emotional problems into consideration for jobs that he still has for these men for the future. Okay. So we need to recognize that if you go down, you get up, you get back on that horse. Right. Okay. And that's the way you can overcome fear as you stand in what you know God has prepared. Even though you may not understand the details, you know he has the plan and the purpose. And so our wrong responses to emotional situations, to physical circumstances, for the trials and tribulations we go through is a, it's kind of a learned behavior, right? Yes. And we can unlearn the wrong behavior and instill biblical responses so that we can avoid depression. And I think where we need to close out today, Sharon, is where you opened up going back to Second Peter in the first chapter. And it tells us that if we will follow the steps, and this is a progressive step that is given to us in Peter, that we will be able to live in kindness, in agape love, and that we will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that if we choose not to live according Mm -hmm. to what he has given us, that we can become blind again because we have forgotten the fact that he has cleansed us from our old sins. And then Peter, who is writing this, said, Now, I need to remind you of this. And then he says, I need to remind you of this once again so that after I'm gone, you will be able to follow what has been given to you. So even when I'm deceased, you will remember and be able to avoid the pitfalls that brings you into depression and destruction. 
And that's why mentoring matters. Mentoring Matters is a listener-supported discipleship program of Sharon Hearts Ministry. Join a community seeking to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ with resource materials available for the journey at SharonHearts.org. That's S-H-A-R-I-N Hearts.org.